Hey, welcome to episode five of Tangible Takeaways. We're so glad that you made it here with us. I'm Jackson, and today I'm going to tell you how the inverse of stealing in the Bible isn't not stealing, but it's actually generosity. And my name's Tim. I'm going to talk about how stealing can be a gateway sin to so many other things. All that and more in this episode of Tangible Takeaways. Hey, welcome to episode five of Tangible Takeaways. Thanks for being here on episode five, Tim. That's a great. that's a milestone. I feel like it's of a milestone. some kind. Yeah. I don't know exactly what to make of it, but it's a milestone. It is. You when know? your child becomes five years old, it is a milestone. It's a big indeed. deal, right? Yes. Has your child become five years old? He is five years He's old, five and years it old is now? for sure a milestone. Yeah, you feel like something has changed. I feel like I'm not raising a pet anymore. I feel like yeah. I'm raising a human. <laughs> so it's great. You're like, I can actually see that this is a human being. Yeah, he right can now. actually reason with me, yeah, and it's. Kind of scary a little yeah, bit, but yeah. it's great. You're like, sometimes he makes better points than me. That is the scary part, yeah. yes. <laughs> I'm like, that's a good point. Yeah. It's a really good yeah, point, but I'll sit on that. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So speaking of good points, you were teaching at Hesperia Campus yeah. this weekend. How'd that go? It went great. Yeah. Preaching is probably one of my favorite things to do. It might even overcome the worship aspect yeah. a little bit as far as the enjoyability that I get to have when I'm doing it. But yeah, yeah, it was fantastic. It was great. Yeah. It's so good to get to be in front of people and yeah. get to be speaking and all that good stuff. And especially when it's something that you're passionate about and excited mm-hmm. about. And you've been the worship guy at uh, Hesperia for how long now? About eight years now, if I'm not mistaken. Eight years. I know. Look coming up you. to the 10 years. Is that what they call it? That's another milestone. That's right another there. one. It's coming so, right up. Yeah. yeah I've I'll, got some grays all through here just yeah. to show off. Maybe Maybe I'll be at like episode 100 of Tangible Takeaways by then or something. Yes. Yeah, something crazy. I would love that. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah, then I'll have you on. It'll be your <laughs> 10 year anniversary and Tangible Takeaways episode 100. Episode 100. Yeah. It's done. Mark your calendars yes. now. It'll yeah, be great. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's get into some of the Tangible Takeaway conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're looking at the message, I was speaking for our online folks as well. So we yeah. both got to kind of prepare for this and go through the process. What would you say? Obviously, our verses. Is, is you shall not steal, right? Mm-hmm. We're in the real simple, I, I call them almost like the caveman ten portion yeah. of the Ten Commandments, right? Where it's like, just don't do this, yeah. right? Don't steal, right? So that's where we're at. And so in this you shall not steal commandment, what would you say was the hardest part about preparing for that message? What were some difficult things yeah. or like roadblocks that you felt like you hit along yeah. the way? So I think there's a couple. I think one of the first ones is, you know, typically when you're preparing a sermon, you have a good little chunk of narrative or chunk of scripture that you kind of deal with. Yeah. And I kind of joked around with everyone. I'm like, sweet, we've got one thing. You shall not steal. And that was it. It was like, don't okay. do it. Don't yeah. do it. Sweet. But I think one of the hardest parts was you can go through, um, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not have any other gods before me. And even though they're short statements, it's stuff that most people could probably relate to. Mm. And one of the things, even as I was talking to the congregation of like, okay, most of you probably heard that and have already checked out because you're like, sweet, I haven't, you know, I didn't steal my neighbor's big screen TV. I didn't steal their Honda Civic sitting in their front yard. Like I haven't done anything big like that. I don't shoplift. At least I hope they don't. Yeah. I don't shoplift or any robber. Exactly. And so a lot of people are probably like, sweet, I don't do that. Check off. I'm good to go. So one of the challenges was to try to figure out, okay, you might not do that, but let's take a step back and see, okay, those aren't, you don't do the big item thefts like that. Mm. 
but you probably use your parents' password for Netflix, mm. or you probably rip music off of YouTube, yeah, or something like yeah. that. Or I was, was even it? thinking in mind about like uh, sometimes I never did it like growing up because I wasn't into golf at the time. Yeah. Now I am. Man, what a missed opportunity! But I, <laughs> I hear that like some people sneak onto the back nine of a golf course, right? Yeah. They'll just play the back nine so yeah. that they don't get caught you or whatever. Get caught doing right? it. Yeah. It's like so many of those like little things, and it's very similar to the murder commandment, mm -hmm. right? Where our initial thought is like, okay, I'm not a serial kill killer. Anyone. Yeah. yeah. So come at me. Mm -hmm. But then Jesus is like. If you hate your brother, yeah, if you got a beef, yeah, then, that's then just you've as committed bad. murder in your heart, yeah. And so it's like, okay, well, that's deepening of the commandment. Mm -hmm. So there was a process of like, we need to deepen this stealing commandment yeah. a little bit. I know for me, I used an illustration. I worked at a restaurant for about ten years before I became a pastor. Mm. And just so you know, be nice to your server; They'll, you'll never know if they're going to be your pastor. <laughs> but one of the things that um, I talked about is I would every now and then take a French fry out of the fry basket and just snack on it. I yeah. figured it wasn't a big deal. It's just a little quick snack. It's been a long shift. I didn't even occur to me until I saw a notice from management telling the servers, hey, if you take food that you didn't pay for, it's considered stealing. And for me, I was I had to take a step back You're because like, I was Dang. like, for one, yeah, I would never, ever steal anything. But the fact of the matter is I did steal. Mm -hmm. And it was something that I had to work through at that point and realize, okay, where was my heart in this? Did mm -hmm. I take it because I was hungry? Or obviously I was hungry, but did I not pay for it because I thought I deserved it? Or yeah. what were my how intentions? Am I, how am I justifying it? Yeah, exactly. Am mm. I saying, I'm going to take this French fry because you don't realize who stood up in my face and screamed at me in the front of house? Or maybe it's because, you know, I cleaned up vomit in the bathroom 15 minutes before. So I deserve this French fry now that I did that. Yeah. Not that I probably would want a French yeah, fry. Yeah, I was going to say, that. I'm shocked that you want a French yeah. fry after that. But um, it changed my perspective on, okay. That is stealing. I never thought about that. Yeah. And so how do we dive into examining our hearts and examining ourselves to think, how does this apply to me? Just kind of in the way we were with the other commandments as well. Yeah. There's this need to say this applies to more of us than we think it does. Yeah. If not all, all of, of us, us. Right. Exactly. And, uh, and I even, I touched a little bit on what you're saying of the, the kind of heart position behind stealing, mm -hmm. because initially we see the greed and maybe even the perception that, well, I'm just, I'm better or I'm more important than other people. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't have time to pay for this thing. I don't need to pay for this thing, whatever mm -hmm. it is, because we justify it in our heads. Yeah. There's also, I feel like an underlaying reality to stealing as well, where there is an assumption that when I, it almost kind of, this is interesting. I was talking about this with my dad last week on tangible takeaways. You get to, which this is tangible takeaways, but I yeah. said it like we're not on tangible takeaways yeah. right now, but <laughs> I talked about it last on episode. Past episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, on I talked about takeaways. it with him, but there's kind of this interesting thing where we get to the, you know, the caveman ones mm -hmm. and we start with adultery. Mm -hmm. And then from there you get to stealing and then you get to lying and then you get to coveting. Yeah. All of those things are involved in adultery, yeah. stealing, lying, and coveting, mm -hmm. right? But it kind of almost peels back the layers behind adultery yeah. is because it involves stealing something that's not your own. It involves coveting something that's not yours, and it involves lying. And so yeah. it's kind of hard to, it's hard to deal with stealing mm -hmm. without also touching on lying and coveting, All the rest right? Of it. So that yeah. was, that was difficult knowing that we're going to touch on those and yeah. kind of feeling like we're kind of going to beat people over the head with this concept. By the time we get down to coveting, it's like, dude, we're all doing this 
24 seven, right? Yeah. So like we're, we're getting to the core of the issue, but there is this reality of coveting behind stealing mm-hmm. that there is an assumption that when I come to possess whatever the thing is that I want so badly that I'm willing to steal it, yeah, it'll complete me. Yeah. It'll make me whole. Yeah. It'll get contentment to my soul. Mm-hmm. And I even think about, we're both sneakers guys. Yeah. So this is an example that I'm even thinking of. There is a big knockoff sneaker culture, yeah. right? And that in itself is a form of stealing and defrauding, even though you're just paying less, right? For some for some kicks that are, you know, would be more expensive if they were true authentic Nikes. Yeah. You're defrauding Nike. Yeah. Right? Because and the, you're the taking goal from behind their profits. it. Yeah, yeah. And the goal behind it is an assumption that when I come to possess this kick, right? When I come to possess this shoe or yeah, finally this get card that w, or this I finally thing, get that win. Yeah, yeah, whatever it is, then I'll be complete. Then I'll be satisfied. Yeah. And I can say as somebody who has collected plenty of shoes and plenty of whatever else that I get excited about, yeah, it's never enough because yeah. there's always a cooler one coming out next month. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's interesting, even as you talked about how the commandments progressively like go down the line. Yeah. If you look at it and you reverse it, each one of those sins is one. It's I almost call it, I refer to it in my sermon that stealing can be a gateway sin, just as you have gateway drugs. Yeah. So if you look at covet, lying, stealing, adultery, all of those things precede themselves. All of those latter ones we typically do mm. on a regular basis, whether intentional or not. And that was one of the things in my sermon, I used a cup of water and a cup of bleach. And saying, if you add just a little bit here, it's not a big deal. But then you add more and more and more. And even though the water looks like it's fine, it's not. You shouldn't drink it. You shouldn't drink it at that point. And so that's the same thing with all those things. If you let in just a little bit of covetedness, a little bit of... Um, lying, a little bit of stealing, you're progressively, it's creating a snowball effect that you'll eventually get to the ultimate part of sin. Mm. And I think ultimately, again, it goes back to the, I think we went through pride as one of the causes. Mm. And I was telling everyone, pride, ultimately, if you look at every single sin that that you commit, every single one of them, ultimately is rooted in pride. Mm. I know better thinking of the Nike analogy. Well, I'm ticked off at Nike because I keep getting losses every time I go on sneakers app. So you know what? I'm going to give one to the man and I'm just going to buy a rep pair because you don't deserve my money. I don't think you deserve it because I think you've wronged me. So I'm going to do this. I deserve this. I deserve this. And I always, again, say, look at the word sin. What's between the S and the N? It's that I. And that is the most dangerous aspect of our human hearts is that we always revert back to selfishness. Mm. We always revert back to, I know better. Again, it's what's, that's what happened in the garden. That's what got us in trouble in the first place mm. is we wanted to be the person who dictates our own fate. So yeah. we took a bite of the fruit. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. Yeah, it's it's there's a lot to unpack there, especially even as you talk about flipping, right? And you're yeah. like, man, you look at that, that coveting gets all the way down to the bone yeah, and and is really the starting point. And it's interesting, Brian and I, a few more episodes back, we talked about, man, why does God institute capital punishment for so many of these 10 commandments? Mm-hmm. And it's because he's just speeding up the consequences that are already associated with them. Yeah. Because what he's communicating to Israel is if you let even just a little bit of sin live around in your midst and you don't institute capital punishment in cases of idolatry or in cases of adultery or mm-hmm. breaking the Sabbath, well, then you're all going to spiral out of control 
control because you can't stand to have a little bit of sin in your midst. You're always going to get, it's that great analogy of it's easier to pull somebody down from a chair than it Mm -hmm. is to pull them up. Right. And so it's so much easier for God's people to be pulled down that we got to take the presence of sin in our life super seriously. Mm -hmm when we can easily dismiss it to say, well, there's not as much sin in my life as this person Mm -hmm. or as this person, which to that, I'd say, first of all, you're probably wrong. And second of all, uh, like that's not okay. It's not, there's no justification for the amount of sin in our life. And the moment that we start to say, well, it's not that bad. That's the, well, that's the gateway that you're talking about. Yeah. And so always when we're putting messages together, there's those things that are really interesting or appealing. That's like, Ooh, that could be a good thing that ends up getting cut from the message that yeah. felt like it was kind of a nugget, but it just didn't fit in. What were some things that you wanted to talk about that you didn't feel like you got to talk about? Oh man, I think going deep into Joshua 7, when mm. it talks about the consequences that Achan faced because of his tiny little sin of, it wasn't tiny because he stole from God, but something that he probably perceived as not a big deal, ultimately led to the demise of his family. And yeah. especially being in this family series of this tablets family series that we're going through of pushing the point ahead of saying like, Hey, your sins affect your family way more than you even could imagine. Mm. It ripples. Exactly. So Aiken's sin of just stealing something, it didn't hurt anyone. It did. Well, ultimately it did because the Israelite army lost to AI. Yeah. But, um, Yeah, it bled into the destruction of his family. And if you think of stealing, you think of lying, you think of covet, the more and more that does that, it does two things. Sin never just affects one person. Hmm. It affects everyone around you in one way, shape, or form. And your family probably most so. Your family probably most so. And not only that, but I'm thinking, once again, I talked about having a five-year-old and he is just a sponge right now, absorbing every little thing that we do. I mean, I hear him quoting Puppy Dog Pals all the time. Yeah. But thinking... It's heavy. It's when heavy. When you think about that, yeah. you're like, man, there's so much that I am imprinting yeah. on my kid right now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's been a couple of times where I've messed up in front of him and I sit him down and say, hey... I messed up and that's mm. not good because I don't want him to see my personal sin as acceptable. Mm. So I tell him, Hey, what daddy did was not acceptable. And I apologize for that. And that will not happen again. Mm. Yeah. I, I even thought about like, yeah, we didn't get to dive in so much into the consequences because mm-hmm. you look at 36 families impacted by the death of those 36 yeah. guys in that battle. Right. So there's that. And then his entire family stoned to death, Yeah, which feels wild, right? Mm-hmm. It feels almost like too much, yeah. like excessive well, punishment. quickly, right? But yeah. then you think about it and you think about the way that he, his family had to be involved in the lying mm-hmm. because where was it hidden? It was hidden in his tent. tent. I didn't even think about that. Right? It's hidden in his tent and it's hidden under his stuff. Yeah. And so his whole family is implicated in the fact that now they're sharing together in this sin and in needing to cover this thing up with their actual stuff on top of stolen stuff. Yeah. That they're needing to cover it up. And so he implicates them in the entire thing by justifying it, right? Like it's not that big of a deal. Uh, We conquered the land. This is rightfully ours. God has plenty of stuff in his treasury. Yeah. Right. So like, what's the harm if I just take some shekels and some gold and a robe? Yeah. Right. And now my entire family is going to be involved in the hiding of it. Yeah. Like that has massive fallout for the whole family and then the rest of the community too. So there's total craters in this like 
act of stealing. Yeah. Right? What's interesting because, you know, we're pastors, but we're, we still sin. Mm. I mean, every person still yeah. sins. But one of the things I always think about when I'm resisting temptation is not just like, oh man, I shouldn't do this, but how's this going to impact my family? How's this going to impact my wife? Yeah. How's this going to impact my kid? And I could not imagine my family getting punished for something that I personally did. And that's a great emergency break on sin mm -hmm. because sin starts with thinking about me. Yep. That's the first thought in yeah. sin, right? Like I love, there's an A.W. Tozer quote that I use without attributing it to him every time that I'm preaching almost, yeah. where I talk about how uh, every sin at the end of the day is just removing God from the throne of our hearts and, and placing ourselves there, mm -hmm. right? And so at the end of the day, the, the, the I in between sin, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that it's always starts with me and it's yeah. always thinking about me first. And so, man, what a great emergency break in the face of temptation. What a great eject button to be like, wait, how's this going to affect the people around me? Yeah. And like, let me honestly answer that and not just dismiss it. Like it won't be a big deal. It won't matter. But what is this? What are the ripples of this actually in my relationship to my spouse, in my mm -hmm. relationship to my kids, in yeah. my relationship to whoever, right? Like fill in the blank there. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. So what would you say are some, let's get super practical. Yeah. What are some tangible takeaways? It's tangible takeaways. We got to stick true to the stick name. We got to stick to it, right? Yeah. yeah. What are some things that you're walking away like, man, we got to do this different. I got to change this thing. I want to get practical about it. Yeah. What are some of those things? I think one of them is just to stay diligent, to stay diligent in examining yourself. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying like always do the woe is me, you know, smacking the whip on your back type yeah. of thing, but honestly, always examining yourself and saying, hey, I need to check my heart constantly. Is there a place here that I feel like I need to change? So mm -hmm. think of, for example, Netflix password. I'm one who's guilty of doing that, of mm -hmm. using my parents' Netflix password. Yeah to stream stuff. And yeah. so as I'm writing the sermon, I'm like, oh, I should probably change or log out of their account. Yeah. But that's what I'm talking about. It's that examination of self examination, an honest self-examination of your own heart. Where mm. are some places that I might be stealing in? And then not only that, but where are some places that I might be suffering from greed, from laziness, from pride, all those things that could potentially drive me to steal. How can I guard my heart and guard myself from falling into those temptations? Mm. Yeah, that's really good. I think it becomes very um, convicting Mm -hmm. when we get to these uh, commandments that are easy to brush off, they yeah. seem easy to brush off, right? Like don't murder. Okay. Haven't done and that. then it's like, yeah. oh, what about anger? And then you get to stealing and it's a very similar thing where it feels easy to brush off. Like I've never done that mm -hmm. or I haven't done that in a while or whatever. And then as you start to unpack it, you're like, man, this is everywhere. And it almost reminds us like, I got to allow scripture to be an accurate mirror to me, mm -hmm. right? I think of that passage in, in James 1 where it's like, man, what kind of man looks at himself in the mirror and then walks away and forgets, yeah. right? I got to let scripture be this accurate mirror of my life and myself and say, okay, what is going on? Like, do I steal, right? Because if I think about, man, if I came to Exodus 20 in my Devo time, and I was going through it, I just, I just blazed right through it. And I wouldn't think twice about like, am I in violation of any of these? Or I'd like look at coveting, like, yeah, probably, but like, what's one of the 10? Yeah. But as we've been combing through it and going through these slowly, I'm like, try all 10. 
right? Like in some way, shape or form, I'm like either, I'm either moving in danger of mm -hmm. this commandment or there's some things in my life that might be a little out of line or man, I'm just like, it's like a Netflix password or something, right? I'm just yeah. egregiously out of bounds here and yeah. I didn't even think twice about it, yeah. right? So there's this kind of, it, when we hit these ones that seem easy to brush off, there's almost this like, man, I need to be a little bit more reflective when I think about when I come to scripture and yeah. allow scripture to be an accurate mirror about yeah. my life. Yeah, and I think one of the things that we talked about is going back to that Matthew 19 of the young man who came yeah. and said, hey, I've done this, I've done this, I've kept every single commandment, what do I need to do next? And to being, to have to be honest with ourselves, looking at that and saying, for one, okay, as you're saying, I need to be reflective on it, but what am I doing this for? Mm. Am I doing this to try and be a good person? Am I trying to do this so that I don't, you know, face the consequences of sin? Or am I checking my heart? Am I following God because I love God and I want to obey him out of a joyful obedience yeah. in that too? That'd be another takeaway that I would say too. Yeah. And I even thought about where we landed in the realm of generosity, right? Mm -hmm. And thinking about, you know, as I was starting to unpack that for our online folks, I was like, there's so many practical takeaways. And I talked about tithing a good amount because one of my examples was even the fact that I uh, I was using my tithe to pay for muffins in yeah. the island, right? So <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but beyond even the fact of tithing, thinking about, man, how can you be generous with the people around you in your yeah. life, right? So like, obviously tithing is a great place to start in generosity, mm -hmm. but there's so many other places to be generous as well. Yeah. And I was thinking about things like, man, being generous with your, uh, man, your vacation days and going to be a counselor at camp. Yeah. That is like, that's huge, that's huge generosity, man, because yeah. that's a vacation you could spend resting that you're going to spend with sweaty, smelly kids. Right. <laughs> and it's going to, you're not going to sleep at all, man. Yeah. Like you're going to come back way more tired. If you think you come back tired from a vacation, you're coming back way more tired. I from feel camp. bad because almost every time I've been a counselor has been some of the best sleep I've gotten. <laughs> has it really? Like, yeah. I've no idea why, but I've never had sleepless nights as a counselor. That's fantastic. Yeah. Always so. You're like, you're like, man, I'm just tuckered out and it's the perfect combination for me. Yeah. Yeah. But things like that or like hosting a small group, right? Mm -hmm. Or hosting a watch party over at your house. Like you, you start to unpack like, man, there's a lot of ways to be generous mm -hmm. as a family and a yeah. lot of ways to embrace generosity and to champion it and to say, I, I love that we landed not just on don't steal but on what do we get to do in the inverse? And I looked mm -hmm. at that Ephesians 4 passage where Paul is telling them, man, I want you to work hard, you who used to be thieves. Be I want you to work hard, yeah. not so that you can accumulate, I want you to work hard so that you can give it away, mm -hmm. right? Like we see people who work hard because they have this concept of generational wealth, right? Yeah. That they want to pass wealth onto their family. Paul's like, I want you to work hard so that you can pursue community wealth. Yeah. Wealth for just anybody who's around you. Generosity to anybody who's around you. I want you to work to give. Yeah. Which is a whole different way of looking at stuff. Yeah. But it kind of made me think about if you ever like got your parents' credit card or like got some money from them when you went to an amusement park or the mall or something, mm -hmm. all of a sudden you got a lot more generous with that money because you were like, it's not my money. Yeah. Right? Like if we if I went to the amusement park and I had my parents' card, it was like, you guys want sodas? You guys yeah. want snacks, right? Like, what do you want? Like, let's go get something. Let's I got, treat ourselves. I got, yeah. yeah, I got some money that's not mine. And it's like, oh, wait, all of my money isn't mine. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm living with God's credit card yeah. to my bank account, right? Like, it's his bank account. And so that 
generates this whole new approach to stuff. Not how can I be reckless with my money, mm-hmm. but how can I bless people? Yeah. And blessing people is so much more engaging and exciting yeah. than blowing it on myself. Yeah. And I, I put this point at the end of my sermon too, saying like, imagine if you can be generous with your oikos, because like you said, it's such a different way of thinking, mm. especially in the American culture, because American culture, we usually tend to think of that point number two, we talked about what's mine is mine and I'll keep it. Yeah. Building up that generational wealth, you know, living a great life with a motor home, with a boat or something like that. Yeah. But some of the best oikos moments that I've ever had in my life is when I use my time my free time to go do yard work or I pay someone's car repair bill or something like that. And almost every single time they said, why are you doing this? Yeah. And what a great opportunity for you to say, I'm doing this because I'm a Jesus follower and let me tell you about him. Yeah. Right then because and there. Because there's then, actually no reason to do it unless yeah, you know him. Unless you know him, exactly. Right? It becomes the perfect entry point for a conversation with yep. somebody in your oikos. That's and exactly that's what's right. so beautiful about generosity mm-hmm. is where stealing leaves craters in community. Yep. Generosity is is building in community yeah. and it's building people towards God's kingdom as they're seeing his kingdom more and more in mm-hmm. the generosity of his people. Yeah. Doing a barbecue in your neighborhood. Why are you throwing this barbecue? Well, let me tell you why. And yeah. you have that. Not only do you have that opportunity to tell them, but I guarantee you, they're going to wave hi to you every single time you walk out. They're going to want to talk to you every single time you walk out of your house. Yeah. You now have that community and that relationship that you can have that connect to be able to invite them to church yeah. or to even have those conversations with them too. Yeah. Because I guarantee if any of them ever has a problem, he's going to be the first person they're going to call. It's going to be the Christian who lives across the street Yeah, because somehow they know what they're talking about. And generosity is infectious. Mm-hmm. It's fun to see it spread, right? You, yeah. You've been in a line before where you have somebody pay for you in front of you and yeah. then you end up paying for the person That's behind fantastic. you, right? Yeah. And it's just this beautiful thing about the way that uh, this kind of act of kingdom living, mm-hmm. right? Like what is the kingdom like? The kingdom is like spending God's money, right? Yeah. It's this act of generosity. Mm-hmm. Well then, man, like now we get to see this kind of pass on and people who don't even maybe people that we bless with our generosity who don't even know God begin living in godly generosity before they come to know him yeah that's powerful too. and thinking of that passed down um, my wife's grandparents are some of the most generous people you've ever you'll ever meet Mm. and they've blessed us quite a bit and now my wife and myself are like okay we want to carry on that legacy of being able to bless people of just like Oh, you need a car repair. Hey, here's a thousand bucks to pay for yeah. your car repair. Who or, can we bless? Oh, you need dinner? All right, we'll come, we'll bring you dinner. And so having that, like we were saying, having that generational passing down of generosity as opposed to generational passing down of sin is huge. Mm, yeah, mm-hmm. that's so good. Well, this has been episode five of Tangible Takeaways. Thanks so much for being on it, Tim. My Appreciate pleasure. It. Always good. Uh, and as always, if you want more content like this, uh, please subscribe and like the video. Maybe even leave a comment of what your tangible takeaway is from this weekend's message. Uh, and we will see you guys next week. Go live generously. Generously.